3: Ago, I was on a panel, and I heard this woman. Who company did she work for? She was like a sort of worked for a big company that works on was works on future marketing trends and what brands are doing and what's going to happen. And I'll never forget her saying, "You might hear, you might one day, your garbage will will smell like Gucci or Prada scented." And I laughed at it, but I thought it was like a good. It sounded like a good concept. It was actually this panel where I did say that I thought that Donald Trump would win. the election because he was producing a reality show and 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 it was people were watching him like Justin Bieber I just will never forget this was years ago years ago uh the first mention of, of Donald Trump running for president but anyway this woman said that garbage would be scented like uh Prada or Gucci like luxury goods I was laughing but it sounded like a good idea so the other day I'm in my house and I thought that um Elena, who works with me, I thought she had perfume on. It just smelled really pretty. I was like, wait, do you have perfume? Do I have perfume on? You know how sometimes it's left on your clothes, but it wasn't familiar? And it was the garbage. Garbage, garbage smells gorgeous now. Like there's there's scented garbage and it smells like beautiful home fragrance. What an amazing, amazing idea. Like smelling like garbage isn't bad anymore. The garbage smells gorgeous. Tissues don't really smell. Maybe they have scented tissues. I guess you don't want different competing scents all over your house. They so you have to choose a scent. Like you should have something that goes down into your garbage disposal that speaks to your actual garbage. Your tissues to be should be in that same scented family. It can't compete with your candles. Um, there's a lot of there are a lot of smells going on. So it makes sense that garbage should smell, but you have to make a decision about what you're going to choose as your your family garbage scent, and then your garbage bins outside should also have a have a scent. The, gar- the 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 people who collect garbage should be pulling up to your house knowing whose house they're coming to because of how what the smell is at your house. I guess toilet paper should be scented, but then people's tushies are sensitive. Maybe they wouldn't want that. It's good for your garbage, but it's not good for your tush. And maybe cleaning supplies where you're cleaning your toilet, toilet brushes should be scented, plungers should be scented. I guess any area that smells like smells unpleasant. I mean, vomit bags on airplanes should also be scented. Everything should just start smelling good. What's the difference? The city should be doing it too. There are garbage bags in the garbage cans. So the city should be, it should be smelling nice. You should open up a mailbox, put in some mail, and it should just smell beautiful. And why doesn't, like, UPS and Amazon start sending scented boxes? Everything you get is just going to just start smelling nice. My guest today is Evie Pomporas. She is a former U.S. Secret Service special agent, host, journalist, and best-selling author of the book Becoming Bulletproof. She served on the Secret Service's Presidential Protective Division. That's so fancy and so impressive. And she was a first responder during 9-11. What a total badass. She now shares her wisdom on her own podcast, Unstoppable. Perfectly named because she is I am so excited to talk to her. I think you are going to love this one. What a great woman. What a great story. What an interesting conversation. So you were a police officer, a first responder. You've worked for the Secret Service. You've worked uh, guarding and protecting presidents. Is all of this correct?
4: That's correct. How did you get into law enforcement? You know, I grew up in New York, and we lived in, actually, in Harlem. I was born in Harlem, and immigrant family, very kind of known story. So many people have this story. We lived in public housing, too, in Queens and rough areas. And I think I grew up in an environment where you are victimized a lot. There's a lot of crime around you, and you, you feel this sort of helplessness. And I think I, over the years that accumulated, you know, very fear-based, don't go out, don't do this, don't do that. And I kind of came to a place where I wanted to be able to kind of protect myself and protect my family and kind of get out of, you know, not be in that fear state of mind. And I think I was never driven by money. Um, I was always driven by, I think, helping and serving others. And truly the last place I thought I was going to go to, I was going to go to the NYPD PD but I just remember thinking, you know what, why not? I remember I was actually on the subway going to, um, uh, I just finished college and I got a job right out of college doing some admin work. And I remember thinking, is this what I'm going to do? And the subway doors open, Bethany, and I see this police officer. And this is a little bit back in the day and he's hanging out with the rails and his belly's hanging out. And I'm thinking, I can do that. And then that night I called 212 Recruit and I was like, hey, you, you guys hiring? And it just kind of took off from there.
3: Interesting. So what was your view of the police force? And what is it now? Like, what did you think about it? What did it mean to you? What did your family think about that decision? How old were you at that time?
4: I was right out of college, 21. Twenty-one. I was. It was really right out of college. I didn't care for law enforcement. I was, you know, if I, whenever I got pulled over, I remember I would roll my eyes. Why are you harassing me? Why are you bothering me? And I didn't really understand what it was. Um, that they did in some sense, but I just knew I wanted to serve and protect. And it really kind of just, I don't want to say I fell into it, but I i walked into it with the understanding of this is a place that's going to help me build resilience. It's going to be a place where it can actually contribute to society in some way. And I had worked with a government official before that while I was in college I worked for a congresswoman. And I think that also kind of opened my eyes up. I worked for her as an intern to public service. And realizing just how much people need help. And I think it also kind of woke me up to how hard it is to be in the public service sector. You know, you, you're always trying to do the right thing, but you are there to serve, serve the public. And you have to toe that line very thoughtfully and carefully because you're there to serve others and protect others. And is that message
3: conveyed well? Do people really, do people really understand it? Is there a lot of sort of the power play? People just sort of feel like, they're a hot shot. They get to be the, the boss. They're in control or ha- how, uh, honored is that code overall? Do you think,
4: you know, you have, it's a really good question to ask. And I think it's honest. I do think you get a mix. Mm-hmm. The majority of people go into it because they want to contribute and you do get individuals who go into it. You know, you throw in the badge and the gun, a very predominantly male environment. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's a negative thing. I think, you know, it's just that, that overwhelming sense of, you know, I don't want to say masculinity, but you know, this kind of boys club type of mindset, environment, all those things put together sometimes draw the wrong individuals. And there were moments where you'd look at this person and think, how did you get in here? Why are you here? You're not here to, Mm -hmm. um, it's not about you. You're not here to, you know, bully people, perhaps, Mm -hmm. because sometimes it can be perceived that way. You're there to you're really there to serve like you're there for the public. And, you know, it's interesting. I I teach criminal justice. One of the reasons like policing came to be or police came to be is because there used to be private police. So back back way back when, if you had money, that was the only way you could have security. So somebody wronged you, you had to pay Mm -hmm. to get protection. You had to pay to get justice. So policing was developed for the public, for the everyday person who did not have the funds, mm-hmm. did not have the money, who needed protection. And that's really where this public service came to be. But I will tell you the majority of the people were very strong people, very good people, people who were there to serve and protect. And my stint in the NYPD was a short stint. I almost immediately went from that division that department to the USSS. Okay. Do you
3: feel, did you, and I ask this because it's such a common conversation and so many women talk about what it means to be a women, woman versus being a man in different different areas. And, and I always answer honestly saying, I never have thought about that. I literally have never thought about that. Now, I'm not a woman of color and that makes it much more different, but still being a woman is different than being a man. And in my life, and I obviously wasn't a a police officer, but in my life, in my business, I haven't, I just didn't think of that. No one sort of told me, maybe it's because I grew up at the racetrack where it was all men. I don't know, but no one said, oh, you shouldn't do that because you're a woman or you are a woman and it means this. So I just never occurred to me. So I always have to try to think of how to answer that truthfully, without offending anyone, but being honest and not just pretending that for me personally, I had so much of a struggle because I'm a woman versus a man. I wouldn't, I may have, but I didn't notice. So walking into a very male driven uh, business, uh, career, job, did you think of yourself as a woman Were people saying, but you're a woman, you can't do that when you were there were you treated very differently? Or did you just have blinders on about that?
4: You know, I love that you said that. I think you're the only person who's ever said that to me. And so I am not offended because I am 100% in that same mindset. I didn't stop to think about my gender. I didn't care. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to pursue. And when you put that out there, it doesn't matter what you hear. And maybe in a lot of ways, I did have my blinders on because I was so focused on what I was doing. Like to me, that's noise. And so I can't sit. And I was, my mindset was, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. I don't have time. Mm -hmm. My mindset is I am looking to do this. And so I did not stop to think about my gender. It wasn't Bethany. It was until after I left where people were asking me, how did you do that? And I remember thinking, do what? Right. You know, go through that. It's like, I just did it. I'm not saying that those things aren't there. But I didn't have time from them, nor was I going to give them life. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked it because I got that vibe from you for some reason. And
3: listen, you're very attractive. you If I met you on an airplane, the last thing that I would guess is that you had worked in law enforcement because I would have a preconceived notion about the way that you look but I just got that vibe from you. And the reason I asked it is because it is a sensitive question to ask because then people get annoyed when you don't acknowledge that it's a thing. But we're trying to tell women also, if it's happening to you, then it's real. And if you're feeling it, it's real, but not to look for it to happen because by going in thinking of it that way may mean it's a self-fulfilling prophecy for it to occur. So you, you went into a much more, masculine testosterone fueled industry although me going into the liquor industry and growing up at the racetrack is pretty masculine but i just got a vibe so it's why i asked it because i think it's important for women to hear things that aren't necessarily the common popular topics in the way that everyone's saying it
4: that mindset helps right. them bethany that mindset right. helps them because you're not teaching them to be a victim to think like one to bring right. that on to bring in that right. energy right it's Completely distracting. It's it has it, it needs right. to not be there. Somebody else is bringing it in. Right. Their problem. Right. Not your problem. It's like what am I? What is my goal? My goal is to be in this industry, whether it's in law enforcement or or selling lip or whatever it is. And that's when you're mission focused. You're your goal oriented. Right. And so I I agree with that type of mindset. And I think that is the mindset that really gets you out there. And I think sometimes when we really replay these negative. I'm not saying they don't don't exist. Of course, of course they exist. Of course you're going to deal with it. Yeah, there's, there's no one saying that it's not there. But you do not, at least for me, I did not give it any more life than it needed because it would take away from what I was doing. And quite honestly, it would mess. I think it would... It would mess me up, my mindset. Yes, Yes, that's
3: what I'm saying. If you were starting to climb up a mountain and you were thinking about all of the reasons you couldn't do it, you might get distracted. If you just started to put your foot in front of, one in front of the other, and then something happened, you would deal with what happened in that moment, but you wouldn't be all psyched out by thinking about the monsters that are going to come. They're coming or they're not, and you'll deal with it as you go, but you are on the road. So that's interesting. So... um. So what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your goal? And what and what what yeah, what was your goal and what is your brand or who are you? What do you do for a living? If I were to say to you now, who are you and what do you want to be when you grow up? Like what what are the answers to these types of questions?
4: Okay, so now I think now I'm like many things. I'm in I left law enforcement after 13 years, I left the U.S. Secret Service. And so I went into television. Ironically, I went to doing the news. So when there'd be a terrorist attack or we'd have a a crime take place, I would be one of the commentators or contributors that would go on the news and break down kind of, this happened, this is what we're seeing, this is what it means. And then from there, that transitioned to writing a book, my book, Becoming Bulletproof. And then from that, it transitioned to co-hosting some shows being on Bravo. I did spy games for Bravo TV mm-hmm. and kind of spacing into that world podcasts, and then doing a, a video podcast or video series called Unstoppable with my co-host Lisa Bilyeu. So I think I kind of, ex- I took what I created in the first part of my life, if that makes sense. And I transitioned it into this other period, um, mostly TV media. I think that's kind of the space I live in. And I teach as an adjunct professor and just communicating and, and and using media as a way to share stories, tell stories, whether it's in crime, whether it's in life lessons. Now, as far as what I wanted to be when I grew up, I was not that person or that young person who is very clear headed. I know I want to be this. Mm-hmm, same. I actually studied the arts. I studied the arts. I went to acting school. I graduated from acting school. So I had a very much a, a love for the arts and creativity. And then I went into completely different Space and that's why sometimes even now as a teacher or as an adjunct professor, I teach criminal justice and criminology. I always tell my students, don't worry about it. Like it'll you you're going to study this and you may end up doing something completely different. And I think I've always just followed what I felt. I mean, I've I'm always right mission oriented. I always use that word because it just helps me I d- identify goals. And I'll think to myself, I want to do this next, and I'll figure out how to do it. But I've never really been preoccupied with what's my five-year plan because same it's never been that. Oh my God, I love it. I feel like I'm the only one who's like, I don't have it. When people ask me, I just look at them. I'm like, I don't know. No, because
3: you're, you're playing chess. You're looking at the board, but you have to be aware of the pieces and what's going on right here. Meaning You're, you're in the car, it's moving, but you're not always sure where it's going. You have a goal, but if you make a right, you make a right. If you hit a roadblock, you, you, you stop like you and you have, you're executing the passion and the visions that you have. I mean, that, that's, I'm very similar to that. I'm not a person who has the grand plan. I execute the things that I love and you're on a journey and it seems like it's been, uh, it's been a very circuitous path. So you're you're you've been, but it seems like it's always been moving forward. You're always uh, growing, and it seems like it's I don't want to say getting better, but it's certainly getting deeper and evolving more.
4: Yes, progress, right? You're progressing, and you're and you're right though, because I also think too, Bethany, when you have a very you have a plan, it's a super rigid plan. What happens, I think what I've seen happen is when people have this plan and it doesn't execute the way they think they, it will, it they fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so it's being able to adapt and flow. I always think of water. It's like, I'm water. So that's why when people give me this rigid plan, I, I can never function with that because if you're that rigid, it's not going to work out. You're always going to have bumps. And then that's where I see most folks get derailed um, from that because they think, oh, this has happened. It's not supposed to happen. But when you're... Adaptable, And I think to Bethany, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've experienced it more now in this second phase of my life when you miss opportunities as well, things that you didn't think would come your way, you'll miss those because you're so focused and so rigid on on this one outcome that you've set for yourself.
3: Yes, but you are younger than I am, I believe. And you look younger. I hope you're younger, please God. I don't know about that. I've got really
4: good lighting.
3: I've got All right. Well, you have makeup on, but you, you I think you're a lot younger. But when you're younger and you have less responsibility, as we get older, time becomes more valuable and then you have to really streamline and decide where you're going to spend your time and where you're going to get the greater ROI. So if it's in philanthropy, it's not necessarily fi- it's not financial to you, but it's rewarding. If it's in something where you're just laughing and really enjoying your life or it's with your kids, that's also got an, a return on its investment also. But time becomes more valuable. So then different reasons make you have to streamline and have your plan be different. But it's not the, the reasons that you thought it was. It's not, oh, is the business exactly where I want it to be. It's just there are only so many buckets. So you decide how to have fewer buckets full. The things that then, as you keep going on the path, then you're like, well, you know, this is really important to me and this I love doing so much and that I don't love doing so much. So that's going to have to fall by the wayside, considering that also doesn't make me a lot of money. Or something like me doing reality television, which made me a lot of money, but it just didn't fit into the buckets that were important to me. So that's where I think as you get older, that's when you start streamlining, but for different reasons than when you're younger.
4: I hear you, but you know what helped me? I'll share this. Because of the job I think I did, because every day, especially in the service, when you put your vest on, you understand today I might get shot. I might get killed because you're protecting someone who's a high value target. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going out there. We're doing, we even, you know, we would execute search warrants, arrest warrants that we do undercover stuff. So every day I understood it could be my last day. And so for me, I think it was a blessing. And there was truly only one time in my career where I remember I was like, I'm done. This is my last day on this planet. I think I was maybe 25 at the time or 26. And I remember in that moment when things were happening and flashing before me, I remember thinking, this is it, I'm done. And I was thinking about my life. Wow. Bethany, I was thinking about what did I do? How did I live it? And that always I ended up living, surviving the situation and the incident. And I remember thinking after that, I'm going to live as if it's truly my last. And I think maybe that job that I had really helped me with that. So I guess I live with if I go tomorrow, am I OK with it? That's wow. the mindset. And you stuck to that? I feel like that. I feel like wow. I either I, I feel it's one of two things, Bethany. I either did what I set out to do or I did everything I did. I could to try to execute something that maybe I didn't get to do yet, but I know I did everything I could to try to accomplish this. Wow. And I'm okay. Well, so,
3: all right. So you, you I'm going to think of the, working for the New York Police Department as a corporate structure because it's hard to be seen and you're a woman and you're in a box and you got to just, you know, do your grunt work like everyone else. So how did you get seen? How did you stand out? How did you move from there into the Secret Service? And how did that trajectory
4: happen? Truly, it happened really quickly. I pretty much went from one, like finishing up one academy to the next I just applied on my own to the U.S. Secret Service. I thought, you know what? Why not? Let them tell me no. And and I applied to multiple agencies, actually. I think it was FBI, DEA. And I was in the process with all of them, just secret. You're allowed to do all that
3: while you're just a police officer? So everybody's allowed to apply for whatever they want? Like, you can just go, yeah. go through a police academy. You're a cop. You're giving out tickets or whatever you're beat is? I didn't get to do all of that yet. <laughs> yeah. No, whoever, whatever, whatever I think of it as in, in a TV show, like what, what, what would my, okay. So if I went through police academy, what would I, where would I be
4: tomorrow? What, what would my job be? When you go through the academy, you, you, um, they ask you, where would you like to go? And you typically pick a, a precinct. You typically pick one you first start on patrol. Patrol is the officers you see on the street mm-hmm. patrolling the area, whether it's on foot or whether it's in their vehicle usually start that way the idea is before you can do anything beyond that you need to be on the street you need to learn people you need to handle yourself on the street that's where you typically start okay and then from there i think it's after t- about 2 years you're either it depends on the department you can either take a sergeant's exam if you want to move up or you can try to be a detective you can go that way or some people just love where they are and they just stay where they are because there are certain You know, requirements like you have to have a college degree to move up certain ranks. So for me, I just ended up going to a different agency altogether. And um, look, before I left, I I asked, it was the lieutenant that was in charge. Actually, he was at the academy. I said, Look, I was offered this job. I like it here a lot. I'm not sure what to do. And he encouraged me to go to the Secret Service. Yeah. He's like, It's a unique opportunity. It's very hard to get in. Go. And I remember he's like, If you don't like it, come back. We'll take you back. And I remember, I don't remember his name, but I remember what a genuine person to give me that advice. And so I just jumped from one agency, one department, so to speak, to the next. Okay, so that, but that sounds super like fancy and, and movie-like. So you go
3: to the quote-unquote secret service. If I if I said she works for the secret service, that sounds like, that sounds crazy. So it just sounds like a big damn deal. So when did you then, so you're what are you doing there? And how do you then get to 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 protect presidents? That doesn't seem like a very easy gig to get
4: no so most people have this misunderstanding that u.s secret service all you do is protect the presidents that is not true so you go through this whole training academy there's two that you have to pass one is federal it's where all federal agents go it's where everybody goes to um, learn what's required by the federal government you have to graduate that pass that then you go to your second phase which is the actual u.s secret service training you go to that you pass that, then what you end up doing is they end up putting you in the field. So the agency has, or the service has offices all over the world to include New York. And so you'll go to that office and you'll work cases. So US Secret Service is a dual mission. They do protection, not just the president, former presidents, vice president, first ladies, former first ladies, foreign heads of state. Somebody comes from another country, Bethany, to visit here, uh, a king or a queen or a prime minister. They get protection. So there's a whole, whole protection angle there. And then in addition to that, cases, they work cases, counterfeit money, fraud, scams, electronic fraud, anything that happens online, like somebody Mm -hmm. goes to donate money to of to be strong, right? And it's a scam. Like they would, they could step in and just say, hey, we're going to investigate this, right? So got it. They do all of that. So you're doing that the majority of your career. Then, then you can, they'll come to you and say, where would you like to do, go to do full-time protection? Now, up until this point, you'll help out in different areas. So I would help out protecting the current president, Bush. Uh, junior at that time, or former President Clinton at that time, or whoever, while working on my cases. But there comes a point where they'll ask you, would you like, where would you like to go permanently? It's called phase two, where you have to do it. Now, this happens several years later. You do not automatically go to the president. It is very hard to go to a current sitting president. But if you ask for it, then you have to go through another internal selection process, basically another internal mini academy, think of it like that, and then if you pass that, then even then, maybe you get to go. So it's, uh, it, it's quite a process to go through. I did I followed that process, and I ended up being able to pass and then go into the protective detail for President Barack Obama while he was the current sitting president.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
6: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: So you went through all of these these gauntlets, this obstacle course. Was it worth it? Was it is it is there a there there? Is it that insane, like amazing, exciting? and, and, And does it feel so important and next
4: level? You don't realize, I hear you, you're kind of like, right, the euphoria of it. While you're going through it, it sucks, right? It's just like, my body hurts, this hurts, I'm bleeding, My I can't see straight in front of me. I think when it's, for me, it's like when it's done, then you're like, oh my God, I did this. I made it through this. You know, When they hand over your badge and gun and, and you're really like, this is really mine to take home and they give you your vest. But as you're going through it, and I don't know, Bethany, if you've experienced in the things you've gone through, I... I don't want to say it wasn't fun. There's no enjoyment. But when when anything I've done that's been meaningful has been hard, like in that moment, it's just hard. It's afterward that you feel that, wow, I actually just nothing good comes easy. No,
3: nothing, nothing, nothing good comes easy. Wow. So you discussed before, I don't know if you can explain it, what your most it sounded like your most scary experience. What was the most um, what was your biggest success? What has your biggest success been so far? And it sounds like you're now, it's infotainment. It sounds like you're educating and you're a a professor and you're teaching people really important messages and skills, but you also have a fun entertainment aspect of it, so it sounds like there's a big infotainment aspect to your career. I am
4: infotainment. I really like it.
3: (laughs) You are infotainment, because it's very serious what you talk about, but you're entertaining, which is totally fine. Um, what has been your greatest success and what has been your greatest failure? And then I guess the most scared you've ever been. And then the most sort of exhilarated, you know, the biggest sort of thrill.
4: Wow. You have good questions. And some of these, I don't know. I've never stopped to think about what is my greatest success. I don't know. I just, I think it's, I just do. I don't think I don't dwell on things. I just do. And I I guess maybe my greatest success is I just don't care if I fail. I just don't care. I cared in certain ways. I think maybe like, for example, we used to have this term in the service. We would say not on my watch, meaning whenever you got geared up to be with the president, he's going out and doing stuff. You never wanted him to be attacked or hurt while you're protecting him. It was probably one of the worst things that could happen to you as an agent to have that happen on your watch, because it's, it's because so many layers of security go in beforehand, Bethany, like the proactive part that if the threat actually gets to you, it means all those layers of security failed. And that's not a good thing. So I think that would be my greatest success is that for the most part, like I just didn't care. As far as my failure, man, I've failed so many times at so many things, Bethany, I don't even know where to begin. I'm okay with it. I failed I failed my first law exam when I went into the U.S. Secret Service Federal Training Center. I don't know what was I I was walking into and I walked into that and I didn't do a good job Um, and I had to regroup and it was a good kick in the butt. And I think maybe even in my infotainment career, which projects I choose or don't choose, did I make the right choice? Am I listening to the right people? And there's days where I rock it and there's days where maybe I don't rock it, if that makes sense. So I think failure for me is consistent. I think the more I do, the more I fail, but, but the more I hit it out of the park every once in a while. And that's, I feel that all you, that's all you need.
3: Because you're taking chances. You're not going to, if you're not taking chances, you're not growing. And that's, that's how, that's how you fail. That's how you bomb by, by stretching yourself. Um, Do you and your personal life, are you able to detect bullshit more than the average person? Or do you sometimes feel in your personal relationships or with exes or whatever that you've been The last to know, which is ridiculous because of what you do for a living. You
4: know what's sad? It's a a blessing and a curse because the majority of the time I see it coming. And so you read people. And here's the thing. What happens is, and the reason why we don't see it coming sometimes, look, in the beginning of relationships, we see people's positive uh the, the positive stuff they put out there because that's what they're going to put out there it's they're in more control of themselves they're in this euphoria so are you of feeling good there's also something like scientifically called like uh neurocoupling where we feed off of each other we see the world in the same way mm-hmm. and we release you know feel good hormones in our body and this is why in the beginning things feel so good there's nothing wrong with us and i think sometimes feel like they've been shammed and the truth is like it's just what's having to happening to you is just There's science behind it and biology behind it. Then when that kind of fizzles out, that's when we start seeing the behavior a little bit more clearly. And when we get shafted, so to speak, or people kind of take, you know, confuse us, or we see things, we're like, how did I not see that? The reason is, Bethany, it's hard for us to separate the behavior from the person, And so what we do is somebody we know or love will do something. We'll say, well, that's just how he is. You know, he means this Mm -hmm. because one, it's also an investment. Like that's our investment. We don't want to lose in our investment in this person. We put all this time and energy and money, Mm -hmm. right? All these things we've put into. And so it's not to our benefit. So we, we don't see the behavior clearly. It's after it's done, right? After we walk away, where we stop and you ever have that, all those nickels start dropping and you're thinking, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. You put the puzzle together afterwards. Yes. It's not that you missed it. You saw it. But at the time you saw it, you're, you're, you're meshing the two worlds, the behavior, but with, with him or her, whoever the person is. It's like, it's okay. It's just, you know, Bob, right? That's just how Bob is. So you decide I've had enough of Bob. And then you're looking at it and you're thinking, I saw all this stuff. That's what happens. But you don't do that in work, which is interesting.
3: You would never do that in work in work, it would be black and white and you would never have that, you would never have the luxury of that margin of error. To make mistakes, Bethany, or to, oh, to, to miss somebody. I guess if you see something suspect, you would never miss something in your business life, but in your personal life, our psyche, or our subconscious allows us to miss it.
4: Because we're more emotionally tied to that person. It's like this, Bethany, somebody comes to you with a problem and you're thinking, oh, that's easy. Do this, this, and this, and this. Done. Let's move on. But when it's your problem, because you're so much closer to it, because you're emotional to it, you can't see right. That's why whenever you're trying to problem solve, having a good person to bounce things off of is great because they can separate the behavior and the action and give you clear Mm -hmm. guidance. This is how you should handle this. If you bring yourself to a point, whether in work or or in personal relationships, to look at the behavior, forget the person that's doing it, just look at the behavior and just plug in somebody else. If somebody else were doing this, or if somebody else came to me and said, my partner or my friend is doing this, what guidance would I give them? And then you'll be able to actually see them clearly. Do you want to look for behavior and try to get rid of the identity of the person? I love
3: that. I love that. Yes. Do you like for people to know what you do for a living or your experience or do you not want them to know? Do you not want to or do you Is it like a badass thing or is it like something once in a while you want to just like, you know, uh, sort of surprise someone with it i mean i wonder when it's sort of like a tool and i wonder when it's used i mean in a movie it would be you sitting at a bar and someone takes you seriously and talks about your cleavage and wants to buy you a drink and then you 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 just like you know elbow them and knock them over the bar and then show them your badge but i mean in real life what what happens when someone underestimates you as a person not just as a woman i just mean as a person because you're a badass
4: I think when you know who you are and you're grounded, you don't need to tell anybody anything. You can just dismiss people. And I think that's probably one of the best things that was given to me over the years is the ability to feel grounded and strong in who I am. I think because of all the challenges and the adversity and obstacles you have to go through, not just to be in that job, but to stay on it. And it always made me feel grounded. So no, I've never, well, now I'm in infotainment, so it's it's different, right? Correct. I'm sharing it now in a public way, but in general, I actually don't like to speak about it. I don't feel like I need to speak about it. It's like, I guess you're you're a business mo you know mogul. You're like on top of your game and it's you know you are, right? How do you handle? I'm curious, how do you deal with people who underestimate you? Does it even bother you?
3: Um it's not that I'm, um and this does ha- well it's funny, it does happen more with men and I didn't but I would never have thought quote unquote men now that I look back and do what you said and put the pieces of the puzzle back together. It's sort of just like a um, talking down to in a different industry, meaning saying, well, no, the way it's done here, you know, like a little bit of uh, talking down to and a little and then um, I get a little heightened, but it's just I get a little heightened and I back it up. But it actually happened recently with a woman now that I think about it, somebody who just decided to sort of talk down to to my team a little bit and underestimate the value of what we were doing. And then I will, I just will sort of come in like a lawyer with, you know, b- backing it up with all of the things that we've done and who we are and just with intelligence. I think I come in with being super sharp and intelligent and it tends to scare people a little bit, but it's not intentional. It's just if I don't say anything and I don't care what anyone thinks until someone backs me up into a corner, I don't come for anyone ever. Until they come for me. And then it's hard
4: to hit stop. Do you know what, though, is interesting? You actually, so you do actually have to check people. Um, And this is research. Research and science actually shows that when we don't check people in whatever way we need to check them, that it actually can embolden the behavior. And the earlier we can check them in the relationship, so to speak, whatever that relationship is, business, personal. Yes. The less likely they are continue to keep Escalating, and so when you can check them earlier, be direct earlier, Bethany, and shut it down, or just exactly then, right? You're less likely to deal with that problem. More otherwise, it keeps going. Well, it's what
3: exactly I told my daughter this because a person was sort of telling her who she couldn't, couldn't be friends with, and you have to tell this person that. And the other thing I said to her: Listen, you gotta lay. Here's the wee wee pad. Here's where you pee. Here's where you don't pee. I said, keep it nice and light and bright. But you let this person thank you so much. We don't need to be discussing this. I'm not interested in this conversation. And you shut it down. And you'll feel insecure in the moment because that person is still trying to bully you. But when they realize they can't bully you, they won't go for you. And it'll be unsettling for them that you are the one person that didn't succumb to the bullying. And it happened exactly as I said it. And you're right. It happens for people who are listening. It happens in the workplace. It happens in relationships. Um, but yes, there was, there was a new dynamic and a new deal and someone thought that they could not to me, but talk to my team in a certain way and demand certain things of my team and everything gets back to me and I had to literally shut it down. And, a, you know, and everyone talks behind the scenes. Most people don't go to the problem. I'm the person that will go straight to the source and be like, listen, in no situation whatsoever would it ever be acceptable that you could speak to anybody on my team this way. My team is me and I am them and there is there is no way that you can operate this way and always be willing to walk away in those situations. Otherwise, you might have to... You know, you always have to know when you can and can't eat crow. In these situations, I, you know, you can't pull, you can't give an ultimatum and you can't,
4: you can't bluff if you're not willing to walk. You know what you also did, Bethany, that was really smart? You came back with facts. Most people come right. back with emotion. You made me feel this way. I feel that way. And that didn't right. work. You came with factual information. Hey, this hey, this and hey, this, because that is difficult to fight back when you give factual information. This is what we're bringing. This is what we're doing. This is how it is. This is what the expectations are. Those are facts rather than coming in from an emotional place, which you potentially could. And that that those never go well. But when you come in You're and so right down with those facts, Bethany, it's kind of like, oh, shit. Checked. You're right about checking people. It's the wee wee pad. This
3: is, we just want to let everybody know the rules to the game. This is what it is. And it's true because whether someone's asking for a raise or, you know, you, it's it's not what you're asking for, it's how you're asking for it, how you operate, how you're doing it. And it sounds like, it sounds like your background has really, really been amazing in giving you these tools to help others in probably so many areas of their lives in protecting themselves in confidence, in being a woman in a, a man's world. And well, it's more a woman's world than it used to be, but, and also just, you know, how to
4: move forward gracefully while setting boundaries. Yeah, it's interesting. I think probably the thing that helped me the most is because I became an interrogator at one point for the agency. I was a polygraph examiner. And one of the things they did is they sent me to Department of Defense to learn how to interview and interrogate people and understand human behavior. And then I was sent to go get my master's in forensic psychology. And the idea was- doesn't matter who walks in my room I'm able to engage communicate and deal with that individual i think those probably all those interviews over all those years and then bringing those tools even to today even when i'm doing my inf- you know my infotainment talking <laughs> even today talking to producers or talking to an agent or whoever i'm i'm always aware and on because you know what i noticed it's easy to say This person is bad. This person is good. We like to put people in boxes and this is how we miss stuff. The truth is everybody's a mixture of both. We try to have the good outweigh the bad, but even good people, because they're looking out for themselves, because we rationalize doing something negative, we can rationalize it to maybe hurt somebody or take advantage of somebody or maybe cut somebody out of a deal. If you can understand that anybody's capable at any given moment in time, if given the opportunity, then you are aware of all behavior and you're looking at the behavior. Most people fall into this gray area. And I think that that's what's helped me a lot because I went from seeing people as literally right, wrong, black and white to just understanding that there's so much gray. And if you can read through that, you really will understand better rather than taking someone and throwing them into a box and being like, that person's just bad and then leaving them there. And it's this is when you miss the good people who do cause you harm, because who can cause you harm, and maybe they do it. And harm doesn't have to be intentional. Most harm that people causes is unintentional. They think, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't think this was upset you. I don't understand it. Or people are able to rationalize and justify things that they do to such a point where that's why when you talk to them, they're looking at you like you have 10 heads. Like, I don't know what you're talking about.
6: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: What do you think about a woman being the breadwinner in a relationship? Why not? Are you in a relationship? Yes, I am. I'm married. Okay. You're married. Okay. So you don't wear a wedding ring. Is that a symbol? Is that because you don't want to be thought of as married or you're just not wearing your wedding ring right now?
4: I'm just not because I I worked out
3: earlier today, Bethany. Okay. Because I never, sometimes I read up on someone and it says something about them and I always like to just learn for myself here in case something. okay. Okay. So you're married and you don't have kids? I do not. Okay. So what is your dynamic? Are you married to someone who's private? Is he, what is he is, is he intimidated by you in any way? Does he love what you do? What's the dynamic in your relationship success? Yeah.
4: So I am fortunate because he comes from, so his, he's more private currently right now, but he comes from the same background that I was in. So where I was in government type of federal agency background, he's still there. I have since left, so he's there. So I think what's helped me is that because of what he does, because he is so secure in him in himself, it doesn't matter what I do. So even though I'm a bit more of a public, on a public platform, he's very supportive and very proud and um, helpful, but he was before. However, I can say that because he did what I did, there were no issues. Now, Bethany, I don't know if that would have been the case, and this is a fair question, if somebody else who did something very different would have been okay. I don't know, because it's a very strong type of career that I had. Right. And I have a, a strong, I don't want to say strong personality. You can have a strong personality personality, but I do have certain things that I've done in my life that maybe, maybe an average person might say, I don't agree with these or I don't like these, or why can't you not be trying to do all this stuff? Um,
3: well, you speak the same language. You come from, you speak the same language. Yes. I often say that I think that people should be in relationships with other people that have fundamental similarities to them, meaning things get challenging when there are major cultural differences, religious differences, how you want to raise your kids, where you want to live, like just the way you are, how close you are with your parents. Things like that really do seem novel in the beginning. But as relationships move on, these cracks become craters, in my opinion. So that's why I was just asking what type of person that you were in a relationship with, because... It could go in many different directions, but it sounds like you have similar fundamentals. You've just gone a little more commercial and he's still more conservative.
4: Yes, yes, exactly. Can I ask you then, Bethany, do you find that because you've achieved so much and done so much, has that been something for you that has been difficult to find individuals that are secure within themselves? You know,
3: it has, and I, but I put it more on myself in the sense that I'm such a strong personality. I'm independent. I support myself. I'm My daughter and I are in the unique love affair. We're so close and connected that the ideals that you had as a younger girl and woman about what getting married was about and what finding Prince Charming was about, they've changed. Because when you were younger, you wanted someone to rescue you. I had a crazy, scary childhood. So someone was going to just save me. And I was going to be married young, and someone was going to take care of me. And that was what the point was. So as you get older, and you have your own child, and you can support yourself, which was shocking. Like the fact that I could be a person that supports myself and could pay my rent is shocking to me. Just was not something I I was secure about my whole life. So... Then you have to really find someone who's a partner and find the right common ground and reasons to be in a partnership because they're not those traditional Prince Charming is going to take care of me and I'm not going to work and I'm with that person so we can have kids together and I need that person to buy me a house and all these superficial societal reasons. And I don't love that about fairy tales and children's books and everything because it's just real life adult partnership in your 40s and 50s is not as sexy as a big fancy dress and a chariot awaiting. So, it's more about how to find the right partner at this point in your life. So, it's additive. You're not you're not insecure. You're not just meeting someone to check off these boxes. You're finding a partner to enhance your life. So, it's just different. Does that make am I making any sense when I say that?
4: It does make sense. You're not looking for a partner to fix it or to fill the void in your life. You're looking for a person to come in and compliment or add to that, add value to your life, right? They're not right. there to make you whole.
3: No. And they have to, you know, if you're working on philanthropy and you go on these trips to places all over the world and someone has to understand that, which isn't that easy. And if you have a daughter and a interesting, challenging divorce, that's part of As we get older, we have more stuff going on. So things aren't just black and white. And I think that's also a blessing. I think relationships when people are older are obviously more mature, but for very different reasons. And it's hard for people that meet in their 20s and get married in their 20s to go on the same journey. Somebody sometimes gets lost on that journey because it's not really their journey. Someone pretended they were someone they they wanted the other person to think they were, and then they're on the wrong road. It's just marriage. I see why marriage can be difficult for younger people because p- both people want to evolve in their own life and become their own full person.
4: Yeah. And you don't evolve, evolve right. in the same direction. You evolve in different ways.
3: Right. Exactly. That's why I just asked you because you've had a very specific trajectory and a very strong personality and probably intimidating in certain areas. Uh, and, It makes sense that you're with someone who speaks
4: your language, who understands. I also married late Bethany, to be honest. Like I really, I married late in my, my, my life, like later than most women. I married in my late thirties. So by then everyone around me was married and looking at me kind of like, what is wrong with you? And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, I just don't, uh, I I just, I was like, I just don't want to get married to get married. I want to get married and find a good partner. Right. That took some time for me.
3: Yeah, I didn't have my daughter until later later in life too, which is in my late 30s and it's you're making decisions for different reasons then. Yeah, women have a challenging road in deciding it doesn't all fit. It really just doesn't all fit. You can't be in good shape, in good health, looking good, having a serious career Having a full family, keeping your house clean, doing charity, great in bed with your partner. It's not that easy to keep it all up in the air. It's really
4: not. I mean, I, you know. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. Because when I hear people say you can have it all, that is the biggest. I, I It's a lie. You can have it all maybe in your entire lifetime, but not in the same moment. So, I, for example, like when I was in the service, my secret service, that was my life. Right. That was my life. I had no other life in any other way. So I was excelling in that area.
3: And that moment. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you could have it all, but you wouldn't enjoy it all. Meaning it's like, I could eat a whole, every snack in the cabinet, but I'm not going to feel satisfied. You're just sort of doing it to do it. Yeah, you could jam it all in, but that sounds like a disaster.
4: But you can't do it all, right? You can't, it's like, no. you're going to go through your body, like even your body, your fitness, your health, I sometimes you go through you go through motions where you do want to work out, you don't want to work out, or you're not right. feeling healthy. You are feeling healthy. And yes. I think it's like it's just it's kind of this up and down thing and allowing it to be that you can't you can't check all those boxes every single day.
3: No, okay, so that's a great question. So I'm I've never asked it before. That's gonna be a new one I'm gonna add. Um what are the five or three, three to five boxes you're checking now? It could be overall or it could be today. Let's do overall. And what are the three to five you're not? And I'll do mine after. Like, meaning working out, ha- feeling healthy, too tired, rested, whatever you are. And what are the most important to you? What What really matters
4: to you? Okay, I'll give you my daily boxes. These are things like in my life that I've realized I have to keep, and I try to maintain sleep. Okay, sleep. eight hours of sleep minimum. I'm the sleep queen. I don't sleep. I can't. This doesn't. My brain doesn't function right. Okay. Um, I've noticed that that's helped me quite a bit. In every possible way, um, sleep, meditation. That's a priority. You're
3: making it a priority. You're in it. I
4: make it a priority. Even if it's three minutes, Bethany, I'm just a very, um, I have a lot of heat. Uh, maybe it's a cultural thing. I'm Greek or whatever. And so for me to kind of stay grounded and kind of chill and think clearly, I just, even if it's, even if it's only three minutes, I throw it in there. Working out almost daily. I don't oh. care if it's a 10 minute workout or 30 minute workout I just found that consistency that keeps me strong and balanced and mentally and physically. Um, I think those are my, honestly, those are three. I'm trying to think like any two, two, always going outside on a daily basis. On a daily basis, I will go outside the house, even though like I know we're COVID and this and that, I always exit my house. So I let the sun hit me or I let the air hit me. That's, that's actually something I do no matter what. And I feel like you
3: look cute every day. I feel like you put yourself together, which is something. And I don't mean that as a criticism. It's an envy.
4: Sometimes I don't, Bethany. Sometimes like I just, I will put my hat on and I will go be me. I tried to look nice for you
3: today. No, and you very much do. You very (laughs) much do. And I try too, but I never succeed. I'll tell you my three and then I'll tell you the three I fail at most days. So what are the, what are the, what are you failing at? What are you not, what are you not getting done?
4: what do I not get done? So I have a sweet tooth. So I may have a donut or I may go to Dunkin Donuts is my weakness. So I'm just putting it out there. That's that. But I also allow myself to be that, like, I can't, I can't be, I can't let that be perfection. And I think what's my failure. Hmm. If I, I will catch myself. If I start to have, if I have started to have negative thoughts or start to feel negative or snap, which, which can happen to all of us. So I let, as it happens to anyone else, I will catch myself. I will remove myself.
3: Oh, okay. Well, then you. I think you're doing a pretty great job. You're having most of it at all because I'm putting sleep as a priority fully and failing a lot of the time, but I'm putting sleep as a priority. Exercise is not, sleep is a priority over exercise. I can't fit them both in. I can once in a while do exercise. I just can't do both of those things. Being a great mom, I, and my daughter and I connecting and being loving, I've, I've checked that box. But also being a little snappy with her, that's where I'm failing. Both of us are, and she's a tween, and we're we're having that snappiness, but definitely connected love, and um, maybe I'm not being present enough as a partner. And I'm, I'm always half a failure. I'm always going to get like five out of 10 right and five out of 10 wrong.
4: You know, as you were telling me yours, I started thinking of all of mine. So even as a partner, we were talking about relationships. So because work's busy for me now, I do, that does take a, a backseat. scene. I actually spoke to my, my husband the other day. I said, you know, I need to make you more of a priority. I'm, we're so work focused and we need to be us focused too. And so mm-hmm. let's kind of bring that forward a bit. So yes one of those things that I've been missing and I'm working on
0: that. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert snagajob.com where america goes to hire
1: imagine a sharp stabbing pain on your skin sounds like a nightmare right while individual experiences may vary it's how some people describe shingles this painful blistering rash can interrupt your life for weeks It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today.
2: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
6: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: Uh, rose and Thorn. Your rose of your career and your thorn of your career.
4: My rose of career probably working in the White House, walking in there and being like, "Oh gosh, I'm like
3: how, how did I? I'm here." Do they know you? Do these do these presidents, former presidents, know you? If you saw them at a restaurant, would they know you? I think a couple of them would. I think the ones I okay. spent
4: the most time with would recognize me, yeah. Okay. Because you're with them on a personal level or their kids. Like, I had George Bush Jr.'s daughter for a while, Barbara, and so she knows me. And so when you okay. spend so much time with them, like, you, they they know you. Usually Amazing. when it's, it's a former president or uh, not the current president, they're usually smaller details. Those folks seem to know you pretty well. And the first lady, I spent— Two years on her detail, so I knew her pretty, you know, she was used to seeing me all the time. Got it. Okay, great. That's the
3: rose being in the White House. And then the thorn.
4: The thorn. Ah, it's just so many thorns. I'm trying to think. Um, You know, I have one. My dad passed, and he had, like, a very gruff kind of personality. And I loved him. And I think... He wasn't the type of person that would say, I love you or engage you a lot. It was just part of who he was, not that he didn't love. And I think I could have, I could have been a little softer. I could have maybe shown him more love because we kind of bumped heads because we had the same personality. And even though we had a wonderful relationship and even when he passed, like it was, you know, I was there, it was with him the whole time. I think back and I think, I think of those moments where I could have been a better daughter. And when I think of how I could have been like a little less ego, a little, little water in my wine, maybe. Ah, okay.
3: All right. I like that. All right. Is there anything else we didn't get to? So, so, so what, what did I, did I forget anything? We talked about, uh, Bulletproof was your book. Mm -hmm. Uh, is it Unstoppable is your YouTube series?
4: Unstoppable is my
3: YouTube series. Yes. Yeah. We covered everything. Well, it was so good to meet you. You are so honest and open. And what an interesting story. What a strong woman. Uh, You are tiny but tough. So I appreciate the conversation so much. I hope we get to meet... I mean, this is who's been sitting here with me, by the way. I've been looking at this guy with a straight face the whole time. Yoda has been sitting here. I don't know why. I just decided I needed him today. For some... is my emotional support Jedi. Um, Anyway... He's my protect. He's my service. He's my detail. He's your
4: protector. Well, Bethany, thank you so much. I, I love all the stuff that you do. Jill speaks the world of you, and I'm just so happy to have been on. And I, I admire you as well. Like everything you've done, and uh, just the goals, and just crushing it out there, and just being like who you are. I, my hats off to you.
3: Thank you so much. Well, I can't wait to meet you because you're in New York, and I know you're in Astoria, and I want to know the best Greek restaurant. Lukumi. L-O-U-K-O-U-M-I. Okay, I want to go. I love Greek food and I love Greece, so you can tell me everything. Awesome. Thank you so much. And tell your husband I said hi. What a sweet person. I mean, honestly, to read about her history, to go into, to be a woman. I mean, she's a beautiful, cute, sweet little blonde, honestly, that worked in the NYPD and then went into Secret Service, guarding Michelle Obama, uh, Clinton, many former presidents, first ladies, just risking her life in the most serious, intense, legitimate way you only see in movies. And uh, now works in infotainment, as I as I coined it. But just it's just funny the people who have these interesting stories that. I honestly would have never known about and I mean crazy what an honest sweet strong passionate soul I'm so glad I had that conversation and I can't wait to get together with her I don't usually want to get together with people but I really want to get together with her and pick her brain that more but she's like a really strong person and I found it very interesting that she like me never really thought about being a woman and she was in the police force and in the secret service and it didn't really occur to her the difference between her as a woman and a man in that role which is such a common current discussion right now in the world just about being a woman in a man's world being a woman in a man's world but sometimes you know what if you don't think about that first what if you obviously know that what if you deal with that and approach that but what if you don't really lead with that That's something that was really an interesting conversation and surprising. I didn't think that she would have that answer. Great conversation. Do any of you have stories like this? I want to hear for future episodes about stories that you know of or if you have just plowed through. You have just written your own story, played by your own rules, not listened to society or gender or labels, and you have just done it your own way or the highway.
2: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
3: So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. like You feel like you've really gone somewhere far, and you don't need a passport, which, honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico.